Welcome to season two of my podcast. I know season one I didn't do a whole lot with it, but this season is going to be considerably different. Today, as of the very moment this podcast airs, is my 10-year anniversary of freedom from human trafficking. It's hard for me to say that. It's a very emotional time for me. It was at 3.30 in the afternoon when I came down the escalator at Los Angeles International Airport on June 19th, 2011, and I saw a friendly face for the first time. Since then, my life hasn't exactly been easy, but I've managed. I have survived. I have become the survivor. In December of last year, I decided I was finally going to write my autobiography. I'd been wanting to do it for a couple of years. I don't know why all of a sudden the floodgates opened and I was finally able to do it, but I'm incredibly proud of this book. As a result, right now I hold in my hands my brand new published book, Custom Justice. You see, it's pretty much impossible to prosecute a trafficker across international borders. And as I read the book over the next few months, you will learn firsthand exactly what I mean by that. So welcome to Custom Justice. Tonight, I'm just going to be providing you with the intro. This book is dedicated to the survivor in us all. The world can be a scary place, but as frightening as it is, there's even more wonder, joy, goodness, and love than the human brain can ever comprehend. Plus, it doesn't exactly hurt society to take down the bad guys. Hey, keep fighting. You got this. I'll be back in just a moment. It's quite hard enough having to go through life pretending that I'm every bit as normal as the next person. But that's what most people do all their lives anyway. Honestly, there's really no such thing as a normal life to begin with. People don't realize it, but many of us are just as scared or hurt or damaged as the next person. Some of us really are great at plowing through the fear and covering it up as though it doesn't matter. Others bend until they finally break, allowing the floodgates to wash over them and drown them in bad memories of an abusive past. Often this results in lashing out at loved ones, or even worse, at total strangers. Sometimes this happens on the internet. I refuse to break, but I'm one of the rare few who also refuse to be quiet about the past. I decided a long time ago that I would fight back, but I never imagined this would be the direction my life would eventually take me in. Having to dig up old memories of the past long since buried after I attempted to forget was all a bit too much for me at first. It took many years to finally decide to learn more about what I'd been through in order to start categorizing it. But once I did, there was a whole new world I'd never imagined would exist. I was dragged down into the depths of darkness the likes of which I never could have envisioned. A dear friend of mine, upon seeing the original cover design for this book, told me that the photo looked like someone who was going to dinner on board the Titanic. What a perfect analogy for my life, I thought, and how humbling to be one of so few to have received a spot in one of so few lifeboats available. 
Life started out as a bit of a struggle for me, and things did occasionally get better before becoming catastrophically worse. I regained some ground, only to be knocked back again. I moved to Colorado in 2016, and thanks to my dear friend Bill, I found myself one day sitting in the front row of a Shift Freedom anti-trafficking event. Speakers from all over the state would take turns talking about the dangers of human trafficking. I knew it was a problem, and that it happened to kids far more often than anyone wanted to admit, but I never imagined I'd have first-hand experience with human trafficking. Still, it was something I was passionate about helping to fight, mainly because of the abuse I'd suffered in my past. I never imagined that I would leave that event only a few short hours later with some rather powerful allies and the much more broad understanding that I truly had been a victim of human trafficking and not just abuse. I couldn't face it before that day, but with irrefutable evidence laid out before me, I couldn't deny it after that day. I had already written and published my first book in my own name, and I even had a copy of detailed pieces of a shattered dream in my hands that day. At the back of the crowded auditorium that day, I handed the book to the founder of the Shift Freedom Movement and introduced myself to him as a survivor of human trafficking. Since then, John DeYoung and his wife Krista have become very good friends of mine, and I've begun consulting for them on different anti-trafficking initiatives. In March of 2021, I was officially added to the Board of Advisors for the new direction Shift was taking with artificial intelligence software being built that can help educate the world on what human trafficking actually is. It, it took me the entire 20 years to figure out that I'd been trafficked three times, and it was a slow realization at that, not instantly realizing all three instances actually were what they were. I'm proud to be a part of this program because I know now that if it had existed 20 years ago, it likely wouldn't have taken me that long to understand what it was that I had survived. People often tell me that they're sorry for what I had to endure. I tell them every single time that I'm not. I found out recently that less than 2% of all human trafficking victims get the chance to survive. They often die of drug overdoses, they're murdered by their pimps, or, far more common than anyone might believe, they died by suicide because there's no other way out. Torture and control are at the very heart of manipulating a human trafficking victim. Most victims have a previous history of abuse. They're easier to manipulate from years of prior conditioning. The average age of a child in trafficking right now is between the ages of 12 and 14 year old for girls, and between 10 and 13 for boys. They only have a seven-year life expectancy in trafficking. My life, as I explain it, is an anomaly. I was 18 the first time, 19 the second time, and a shocking 31 years old the third time. None of the incidents were linked in any way. I didn't understand what was happening because I had no knowledge of human trafficking at the time. I grew up in the era of stranger danger, but nobody ever explained that the worst danger of all, and the source of most traffickers, are the people we already know. They aren't strangers at all. But why would I not be sorry for what happened to me? Because I lived. Someone else in my place probably would not have. I have since built lifelong friendships with other survivors. How varied all of our experiences are. People ask me about the background of my survivor friends once in a great while, but I'm adamant about explaining to them that their stories are not mine to tell. 
If they want anyone to know what they're carrying around, they will share that information themselves. The only story that is mine to tell is the one that follows on these pages. Somebody else's lived experience is not what I'm the expert of, and I have no business telling it. My writing this truth has built walls between myself and any family I ever once had. As you may read through my early childhood, you may gain an understanding as to why that might be. For many years, I also did not understand my own childhood abuse. I thought, and was always told, that abuse would be defined as physical abuse resulting in bruises, scars, and broken bones. There were other abuses I didn't feel comfortable telling anyone about, and they stunted my adult maturity so much that at the age of 41, I'm only just now understanding how to take control of my finances and find some sense of stability in my own life. I didn't understand what a sociopath was. I didn't know narcissistic abuse existed. I had no idea how warped my life could be based on the little things that were said or done to me along the way. One of the worst memories of my young life was when my own grandmother told me that it looked like a cow had farted in my face because of all the freckles I developed over the long summer in an Arkansas countryside when I was seven. I cried, of course. Before then, I didn't really mind my freckles. I didn't pay much attention to them. After that, I couldn't stand them. There was a polar change in me. My mother also said that she couldn't stand my ugly hair color, so she dyed it blonde when I was 16 years old. Because of the natural red in my hair, it turned out carrot orange, and she had to repeat the process again and again. Before then, I didn't give much thought to my hair, as it was often a subject of interest in school when other kids would wonder if it was red or brown because of the way the fluorescent lighting hit inside the building. After my mother bleached it, I kept it colored for many, many years. If my own mother couldn't stand my hair color, surely I shouldn't tolerate it either. My brother, a certified genius, loved to play chess whenever we could, but the certified genius didn't understand how to be a graceful winner, and he didn't do many things very gracefully at all. Instead, every time he would win, he would dance around and rub it in my face, calling me stupid. I grew up believing that I was. Never in my life did I imagine that I'd have enough intelligence to put together enough words to write an entire book of my own. Much less, at this point, several of them. The road to recovery after trauma is long and winding. No two paths are ever the same. I tell people all the time not to compare their experience to anyone else's because nobody walked their roads. Experiences shouldn't be compared because every tragedy is tragic. Every victory is victorious. Trauma alters our brains to think in new ways. We build new bridges from one part of our brain to another while other parts shut down completely. We develop what is theoretically known as adrenal fatigue that can cause weight gain, sweets cravings, depression, low energy, brain fog, lightheadedness, and so many other health conditions. Adrenal fatigue theory suggests that someone being extensively exposed to stress for a prolonged period of time would drain the adrenal glands. Someone exposed to torture, rape, sodomy, would surely have drained adrenal glands just from keeping themselves alive. Someone who experiences all of that by way of human trafficking for a much longer period of time would have a well-sustained adrenal fatigue. We get locked into survival mode. It's nearly impossible to change the way our bodies react to situations after that. Unfortunately, adrenal fatigue is not yet accepted medical diagnosis, 
Yet every survivor I know does experience pretty much all of the symptoms outlined in every medical journal that discusses the possibility of the existence of adrenal fatigue, myself included. It's certainly not easy learning how to live with a trauma brain, whether that brain is inside your own skull or in the head of someone you love. The most random acts can sometimes trigger emotions we'd buried long ago. It can also be a shock to any controlling personalities to end up in a relationship with a survivor. We were manipulated and controlled for so long that the first hint of any controlling or jealous behavior can send us spiraling out of control, and you can almost guarantee to kiss that relationship goodbye. The guilt trip has the same effect on me these days. If I catch a single person trying to guilt me into anything, I'll absolutely refuse to, then to do whatever it was, even if it was something I'd already planned on or had wanted to do. There are very rare exceptions to this, such as the begging of my best friend's special needs kiddo. That kid can talk me into just about anything. I'm not expecting fame and fortune out of having written this book. I think more than anything, I'm hoping that just one person might read this and understand that they are not alone. Maybe they can come to terms with what has happened to them, in spite of not having any help or support for so many years. The process of writing it has actually given me a more broad understanding of my own life and what I've been through. It's done enough for me. It's time to share the possibilities with others. For anyone struggling to cope with past trauma, I cannot urge it enough. Please try to seek help. If you need it, it is out there. If you can't afford it, help is still available through other avenues. I didn't think it was, but my mind was blown by the possibilities once I'd finally found the right people. My world has forever changed, so many times over, but finally for the better, thanks to the good people of SHIFT and another organization known as Covered Colorado. I'm not entirely sure I'd have survived the last few years without them or without my best friend. I've had a number of people read the early editions of this book for several different reasons. Though they received an incomplete version, the majority of the information was already in the book. Still, I'd like to acknowledge each of them for their contributions to this effort. My best friend Colette has always been there since the day we met, guiding me with her own strength that the rest of the world may not have even realized she has, including herself. She's one of the strongest people I've ever known, and her friendship has strengthened me in ways I couldn't pretend or begin to predict. Vicky, whom I've known since childhood, was very fast to offer her assistance as an editor, which I so desperately needed. Abby, a dear friend of a dear friend, also wanted to lend her support in the editing process, and I was only too willing to invite her along for the ride. Lil, my fellow survivor, came into my life when I think I needed her the most. She's been constantly encouraging me to keep going and to tell my truth for all those who have been permanently silenced. My fantastic, anonymous PR person reached out to me after I put out a call out through social media, crying out for help. I had no idea what I should do, where I should go, how I should get started once I got the book put together. Without her, I don't know that this book would even be in existence right now, much less being held by those who are following along, reading the pages. I don't know that these words will ever filter through your mind without her. She's a miracle worker. Danny pushed hard right away to bring some publicity to the efforts. Monica took the reins and put me in touch with Luke and Michael, they're all miracle workers in their own right, to create the digital content I desperately needed to help with the launch of this book. 
Laura wanted to review my book for her Denver-based book club, and I was only too eager to facilitate in that happening. Jakes, my friend of 18 years, was eager to help build a beautiful brand new website just in time for the book launch. I was humbled by the offers of assistance from every random corner of the universe and how things seemed to come together for me in order to make this book really happen. As I write these words, I don't know how many more doors are going to open because of what I've written, but in the end, it's not about me. I don't want to be famous because of what I've been through. Personally, I'd rather not be famous at all. But there's a reason I was spared. If this is the reason, then that's not really up to me anyway. It's all up to the big guy. Most importantly, I humbly thank God for my life and for my direction. But no matter how many people I have to thank, there's always one more. And that's you. I want to personally thank you for taking the time to either read the book or to listen to this podcast. I didn't write this for me. I wrote this for you. This is truly dedicated to the survivors out there, and not just the survivors of human trafficking. As you'll learn, there's so much more than just trafficking that I managed to survive. This is for all the people out there who survived child abuse, trauma, bigotry, hatred, bullying, natural disasters, domestic violence, you know, and a myriad of other things that we can go through that cause us to question our very existence. It's important to move beyond the victim mindset and to learn how to be a survivor so that we might eventually learn how to thrive. When it comes down to brass tacks, every single human I've ever met has survived something they probably aren't the most comfortable talking about. This book was written for the voiceless. May you someday find your voice and understand that your trauma is not your fault. It's okay to move on with your life now. You are much stronger than you think. Your names, of course, in the book, have mostly been changed.